right, Matthew chapter 7. I have up there, starting at verse 21, but I'm going to back up a little bit. You can just leave that up there. Uh, I am going to back up a little bit to verse 13. We'll get down to verse 21. The Bible says in New King James Version, beginning at verse 13 of Matthew chapter 7, Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Down to verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Verse 24, therefore, or because of this, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a, a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teachings for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning from the subject, be careful how you build. Be careful how you build. Listen, everything that you do, every word that you speak, every decision that you make in your life, every relationship that you either nurture or reject or put up with, everything that you dwell on and think about, what you dream about affects you. And each of those things are another brick that you put into building this house that we call life everything that you do. And Jesus warns us to be careful how you build. Luke 6 puts it this way. He says, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation. And he laid his foundation on the rock. That's the one who heard and did Jesus' saying. But Luke puts it, he says, but he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation at all, had no foundation. That's what you're like if you don't follow the sayings of the Lord Jesus. We need to be careful, saints, how we build our house. Your whole life, you're building. 
from a young person making decisions about school to making a decision about who you marry to making a decision about what career path you choose, what vocation you will have, to making a decision about what house you, may, you might buy or what city you will live in, what apartment you have, to the relationships that you choose to nurture when you choose to call people on the phone and see how they're doing, or when you choose to break some off. How many know that there are some relationships that we do need to break off? Amen. All of these things are part of the building blocks of life. We're building life every day. And incidentally, the Bible says this. Paul told the Romans this. He said, the just or the righteous, those who are justified, those who have been justified by God. And by the way, the way that you are justified by God is to give your life to the Lord, to confess with your mouth Jesus Christ and to believe that God raised him on the third day, thereby being saved or born again. When you are justified, Paul said, you shall live by faith. Now, here is my question to you and my question to myself. How many hours of the day do you live? I would hope it would be 24. Even when you're asleep, I believe you're living. I don't know of anybody that lives 20 hours and dies for four hours and comes back. How many days of the week do you live? Come on, saints, talk to me this morning. I would hope it would be all of them. Seven days of the week, 365 days a year, you live. So now, with that in mind, go back to what Paul told the Romans, the just shall what? Live by faith. That means everything that you do, every breath you take. That kind of puts it into a different perspective, doesn't it? He doesn't say, wait till your foot starts hurting and then all of a sudden believe that I can heal and start living by faith. He doesn't say, wait till the bill is due. Now all of a sudden come to me in prayer and start giving me glory and come into my presence so that I can come in like the Calvary and save you. He said, the just shall live by faith. This should be our modus operandi, our SOP. Come on, Becky, standard operating procedure. We need to live by faith. It's everything that we do. It encompasses all that we are. Live by faith. And then so if we're going to live by faith, we need to know how we get faith. Well, I have a little secret for you about faith. The book of Romans in, I believe, chapter 1 or chapter 12 maybe around verse 3, says that God has given every man the, now I like the King James here, Sister Sharon, I do, because the New King James says a measure of faith. I like the King James in this instant because when you say a measure of faith, that could be any quantity. 
That could be a gallon. That could be an eyedropper full. It could be uh, a tanker car full. Or it could be uh, so minute that you couldn't see it. How much faith do we all get? But I, I like the King James there because it says, God has given every one the measure of faith. That means we all start on the same level, same plane. And guess what? It has nothing to do with male, female, color of skin, what size you are, how tall or short, what cards you were dealt in life matters not because you were given the measure of faith. I remember playing football, if you can believe it or not, in high school. And uh, I was, it seemed like me playing football with all these bigger guys, you know, I'm not the biggest guy in the world. And so playing with all these, especially when it comes to football, well, at least not this way, maybe. But when I was playing football, I didn't have all that. So, you know, I didn't even have that to protect me. And so when I would play, I would have to do things twice uh, that others had to do. I had to run twice as fast as the other guys, had to jump twice uh, as high as the other guys. I had to hit twice as hard. You know, where one linebacker would come and just kind of bump a guy and knock him down. I had to run with all my force and jump and knock him down. It just seemed like everything was so much harder. And I remember complaining to the Lord that, you know, it just seems like some guys just have it natural. Well, they just come, I mean, they come onto the basketball court and they just throw the ball up and it goes in. Or whether it's uh, not even sports, whether it's business, uh, whether it's math in school. Some people, uh, don't, I, I had to... You know, some subjects, you know, if you ever been there, you had to study just to get a C. I mean, and these, some guys come and they just don't even study at all and get straight A's. You know, it just seems like, why, is, why are things so easy for some people and not for me? What is the deal, Lord? I got the short end of the stick here. Here is one area, though, where you cannot say that. No one got the short end of the stick. If you've given your life to the Lord, guess what? You have been dealt the measure of faith. You have been dealt the measure of faith. And by the way, the way that our faith strengthens is another little saying that Paul told the Romans, I believe, where he said, faith comes by what? And hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. This is why the van ministry is so important. And it's, it, this is why it's so important for us to be relational evangelists. All of us may not be pulpit evangelists, but it's important for us to be relational evangelists because according to that scripture, if uh, the unjust don't hear, they won't receive faith. And if you don't have faith, you can't believe. And if you don't believe, you can't confess. And if you don't confess then you can't be saved. So it's important. Faith is a foundation for us, saints. We have to live it every single day. It not only has to be what we do, but faith, saints, has to be who we are. Has to be who we are. The thing about building, though, is that if you're not building on a firm foundation, all that you have will betray you eventually. Come on, if you're not building on a firm foundation, what you have will eventually betray you. I remember we bought our first house, and I was so excited to buy the house because it was our first house. 
And it's just a wonderful feeling. If you, some of you, if you remember back to buying your first house and you go in there and you talk to the people and you have to go through all this stuff, you know, and they, you know, they check your credit and their history and your blood type and they want your firstborn and then you have to sign papers for, you know, two and a half days, it seems like. And uh, finally, there comes a point where they give you the keys. That's a good feeling, isn't it? Got my own house. And I remember buying that house, but I also remember being warned a little bit about the builder. I don't know if you remember this, Dee Dee, but the builder eh, was kind of shaky. But I was so excited to have this house, that I said, you know what, we're blessed. I'm not going to worry about it. Hey, listen, God anointed us. We're in the house. That's all right. Just, let's just buy the house, you know, instead of taking our time. So over time, things started creaking and shifting. And I don't, how many times have we replaced the water heater, the dishwasher, the, you know, all of these materials that were not top-of-the-line materials? That's what we purchased, and that was, that's what we bought. I would, now, this is an exaggeration. I'm exaggerating the church. Forgive me, Lord. This is probably an exaggeration. I know it is. But it seems like we spent as much in repairs as we did buying the house. It seems like we bought the house twice. Well, actually, three times because of mortgage. You already buy it twice. Seems like we bought that house three or four times over because of all the repairs we had to make. Not just because of regular repairs that you make, but because of the shoddy material that was used. Come on. I mean, cutting the grass, I'd start running over rocks and nails and stuff that they left in there. Dietrich used to watch. I was so excited, I'd be out there cutting the grass. Nothing there, just dirt and rocks and nails. But I was so excited to have a house, I'd, I said, I'm going to go cut the grass or cut something. <laughs> But Jesus warns us to be careful how we build, and we need a firm foundation. How many are, f are familiar with the Leaning Tower of Pisa? Right, you've heard of that in Italy, and uh, of course, Al. Uh, and I, you know, I did, I did a little bit of study on that, and the reason, I thought they did that on purpose. You know, they wanted the tower to lean as a, you know, because the Italians uh, are very, uh, you know, architecturally sound, you know. Uh, they talk about light and how it looks and all that. And uh, so I thought, oh, this is a, a nice design. Well, I come to find out that uh, the foundation wasn't sure. And so they had the tower built already when it began to lean. And so they had a choice, either let it lean or knock it down. And obviously they let it lean. <laughs> so the Leaning Tower of Pisa is only leaning because it doesn't have a firm foundation. How many know a firm foundation is important for us? Listen, Psalms 11.3 says this. If the foundations be destroyed, what, it doesn't say what can the world do. It doesn't say what can people do who don't know the Lord. What can the righteous do? That's you and I. If there is not a firm foundation in our life, what can you and I do? In other words, there's nothing we can do. We can't make up our own doctrine. We can't spin off and make our own denomination and it be successful. Come on now. If there's not a firm foundation, the righteous are lost. There's nothing that we can do. Incidentally, that's the, that's the foundation scripture for first principles. So if you want to take first principles, a little plug, sign up, please. It's going to be taught by a wonderful gentleman, Eldon, even if you've taken it before. You know how many times I took first principles? Eight. 
Yeah, because I took twice from Jay and six times from Pastor Lou. Eight times. That's not including how many times I've taught it. You can learn more and more. It's like reading scripture. I re- I, you know how you do with scripture. You read it and then you read it a year later. I remember um, my cousin, Lisa, called me up one day and she had just got saved. I think I've told this story before, but she had just got saved. It was two weeks. Two weeks she was saved. I've been talking to her all through our childhood about going to church. And finally we were grown. And I'm here. And um, she got saved and, and called me up. Oh, great, Lisa. I'm so happy you got saved. You know the Lord. She's so excited. You know how it is when you first. She was fired up for God. She was telling me all these things. I was like, that's great, Lisa. That's so wonderful. And then she called me up one day, and two weeks after she got saved, and said, Michael, I've just been praying. And the Lord spoke to me and told me to tell you to read Genesis, to read Noah's Ark. And I said, well, that's good, but, and I started thinking about how many times have I read Noah's Ark? How many Sunday school lessons have I sat in on that where the teacher talked about Noah's Ark? You know, how, how many sermons have I heard on Noah's Ark? And I thought, well, she's just excited because she's new, you know, to this, this kingdom thing, and she just wanted to call me and tell me something. So thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. Uh, you know, praise God. We'll see what happens. I had no intention on reading Noah's Ark at that time. I'll just be transparent with you, you know. I mean, I was studying something else, I think. In fact, I think we were just together, and I was studying faith, I think. And uh, so I was like, this is more important, you know. And so finally, after two months, it was on me so heavy. The Lord, why did you not read Noah's Ark? If nothing else, to uh, be obedient to your cousin. You know, she's new, um, and don't offend her. So I said, all right, I'll read Noah's Ark. So I went back to Genesis. In fact, I started chapter 1 and read all the way through Noah's Ark. And when I read Noah's Ark, it was one of the greatest revelations for me that I have ever had in life. One of the greatest revelations about staying on the boat. In fact, I came up with a whole sermon about staying on the boat after that. But it really, not so much a sermon, it really spoke to my life about what I was going through at that time. So it's not about how mature you think you are. But when you go back and you read scripture again, God has a way of revealing. I was just talking to my daughter last night about this, uh, about how the Bible is not a novel. But when you go back and read, God will reveal so many things to you over and over and over and over again. Amen. He will do that. And so, saints, we have to have a firm foundation as we build our life. Here's here's what I want to tell you this morning. Where you are right now in your life, and again, remember, I'm a gentle, kind pastor. These words are from the Lord, and he's speaking to me too. Where you are right now in life is because of what you built. It's not because of what the devil has done to you. It's not because of what other people have done to you. Come on now, I had to look in the mirror now. Come on. We can't say the devil made me do it. All he does is gives us thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. Come on. That's all he can do. We have to make the action. So where we are right now in life is because this is what we've built. So look over your life and say, look at what I have built. (laughs) If you don't like it, start building again. That's right, Keith. Change it. You You have the power. You have the power. Because God has dealt to everyone the measure of faith. And God does not give gifts just to repent and take them back. God doesn't give gifts. Faith is a gift. 
I can show you that in Scripture, too. We don't have time this morning. Faith is a gift. I'm talking about the God kind of faith, and you still have it. Just because you haven't been working it out, listen, just because you might look like me and your muscle hanging down here doesn't mean you don't have muscle. That just means you haven't worked it out. Come on, you have faith. You just haven't worked it out. You just need to work it out. And it's never too late till the day that you leave this earth. It's never too late to work it out. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Come on, somebody. It's never too late. You can do it. Turn over to 1 Corinthians if you have your Bible. 1 Corinthians 3. Building on a firm foundation, because now we need to talk about, well, what is this foundation? And does anybody else say anything about building a house? How do we do this? 1 Corinthians 3. Let's start back at verse 5. It says this, Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believe, as the Lord gave to each one? Now let me just stop for a second and just interject something real, real quick here. What was happening here is people were coming to Paul and Apollos and, and, and uh, pledging their allegiance to them. Say, I am a, a Pauline. I am of Apollos. One is of Paul. One is of Apollos. And Paul had to stop that thing right then. I'm going to say this again. This is how we've got some of our uh, split-offs in church and some of our denominations because we follow man and not Jesus. And 99% of the time, that man that everybody followed was really trying to point you to Jesus. He don't even want you to follow him, right? But pe- that's the way people are. We, we follow what we can see tangibly. But Paul stopped this. He said, who am I? Who is Apollos? We're ministers through whom you have believed the Lord. And the Lord gave to each one. He said, I planted, in verse Apollos watered. But guess what? God gave the increase. Come on. He gets the glory. So then neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God gives the increase. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, and you are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. Oh, I'm going to say that again. He said, but let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive reward. Careful how you build. If anyone's work is burned, listen, it's not just that he won't receive a reward. Paul said he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved. Yet as though through fire. 
Do you not know that you are the temple of God? Know ye not that ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost, and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? If anyone, verse 17, defiles the temple of God, God will destroy him, for the temple of God is holy. Which temple you are? You are God's temple. Paul says here, listen, you have the foundation. The apostles have given us the foundation, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on any other foundation, that work will be destroyed. I used to ride with a guy to work every day. And this guy, I was trying to figure out if he was a Christian or what he was, because we talk about spiritual things sometimes. And, uh, you know, we would talk about these things. And then finally one day I asked him, I said, you know, Rick, I mean, where, what are you? Where do you stand? What, what's going on? I mean, you know where I, because I was, you know, I told him where I stood and what church I went to and all of those type of things. And he said, well, I said, well, Rick, just tell me this. I said, do you believe the Bible? And he said, well, yeah, you know, I, I believe the Bible. I believe it. I said, okay, you sound kind of hesitant. He said, well, no, I, I do. But I also believe the Koran, and I also believe, uh, you know, the Book of Mormon, and I believe this other book. I said, really? I said, well, what, what church do you go to that would allow you to believe all of these or doesn't teach you that, uh, you know, there's only one way? Uh, he said, well, you know, the, the universal church. And I said, oh, okay, I see. So I said, well... I said, what do you believe about the Bible? Because to me, it's difficult to believe anything about the Bible and then believe other things. Because it's contradictory. Because if you look over in John, Jesus had the audacity to stand before his disciples and say, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Now, as humble as Jesus was, that's an awful, bodacious statement to me. He said, no, there's no other. You're not sneaking up the back or, or going this way. Come on. I am the only way. So I was a little confused when I was talking to him. I said, brother, I said, now what do you believe about the Bible and what, what troubles you about the Bible? He said, well, I believe all of the Bible. I said, oh, okay. I'm even more confused now that you believe all. He said, well, just accept that part about where Jesus died on the cross and rose again. I said, that's the whole Bible. If you don't believe that, toss it away. I'm not discouraging him for reading the Bible, but if you don't believe that, the rest of it doesn't make any sense. And so there's only one foundation, there's only one way, one that we can build on, and that is Jesus Christ. If you try to build on anything else, now remember, I'm relating this together. I know it kind of sounds like I'm all over the place, and I probably am, but listen, remember when Paul said the just shall live by faith? I'm talking about live, live. Everything you do has to be on this foundation. Every, remember what we talked about? Uh, every relationship that you have, every decision you make, right? What about your thoughts? Paul addressed that. Bring those thoughts under submission and the obedience of Christ. Come on now. You can't control the thoughts that come into your mind. <laughs> Lord have mercy. I'd like to do that sometimes because some thoughts can come in there now. But I sure can control how I dwell on them and what I do with them. Come on now. And so there is no other foundation other than the foundation of Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. And we all have the material, the proper materials we need to build this Christ-like life. 
Second Peter 1 3 says this his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Not giving to us or going to give to us. He has already given it to us. You right where you sit have all things that pertain to life and godliness right there within you. You already have it. You don't have to wait for it to come. You've got it. You have it. You just need to work it out. Come on. So what is this foundation? We know it's Jesus Christ. But here's what it is. What what does that look like? I'm building my foundation on Jesus. How do I do that? Very, very simple. Very, very simple. What is the one thing that we can give to God? I mean, what can you give to him? Can you give him money? I mean, of course, we bring a tithe and an offering to church. But that's for the building of his church while we're here on earth. That'll go away once we go to be with him. Plus, he doesn't necessarily, quote, unquote, need it. But it's really for us. Come on now. God made it. I mean, Jesus said, look in the fish's mouth, get the tax, it's there, not a problem. So we can't give him money per se, what can we give him? Can we, we can give him praise, that's true, we can do that. What can we really give him? Our heart, our obedience. The foundation we need to build on is our obedience to Jesus. Come on, I know that sounds simple, but come on now, obedience is important. Obedience is twofold. And if you're a parent, you know this. (laughs) Obedience is one, doing what I say. You know, I said clean your room, not go outside. So doing what I say is being obedient. And when I say do it, that's the second part. Those two go together. Obedience to Jesus. And if you do one without the other, then you're not fulfilling obedience to Jesus saying. So number one, we need to be obedient to Jesus. That's how we build on a firm foundation. All we have to do, you don't have to make up stuff. You don't have to figure out, you don't have to go online and figure out which material is the best material to use and all of that. Do I get it from Lowe's or Menards? What do I need to do? You don't have to do that. Pray, read your Bible, and then do what Jesus tells you to do. I know, it sounds simple, don't it? Sounds very simple. But how often do we stray? Come on. How often does Jesus... I can think back on how many times the Lord uh, told, me to do, told me to go left and I went right. Come on. Or he told me to do it now and I tried it a week later and it didn't work. Guess what? Because I told you to do it last week. It ain't for this week. This week is something new. I'm gone. I'm on to something else. Come on. Think about how many... But guess what in all of that? He still blessed me. Still blessed me. Praise God. Now, what are we building? We're building a house, but what does that look like? It's a life. What does that look like? Well, here's really what you're building. We're building people. We are building people. Our job is to build each other up. Not only are you building your life when you make decisions, but you're building others' lives as well. Do you know that every decision you make affects others? in your family, in your circle. That's why I think suicide is such a deception. Because here's, to me, what people think when they're going to commit suicide. Well, you know, this is all about me, and I'm ready to just uh, give it up. I just want to commit suicide, and that way it won't hurt anybody else. It's only me. Guess what? It's not only you. 
Because there's people who love you. There's people you will hurt deeply when you do that. Or decisions that you make in life. It affects other people. Not just as heads of corporations, but I'm talking about being a mother or father of a family. Come on. Or in your group at work. The decisions you make affect, or here at church. Don't think the decisions you make don't affect other people. They affect other people. So you're either building or you're tearing down. Come on, I'm talk- this morning it's a little introspective. And I'm, I'm being introspective as well. What are you doing? Are you building or are you tearing down? Listen to some of these scriptures. I didn't put these up here because I just have too many of them, but just I'll just quote a few of them. But listen to what the Bible says about building and how we are to build each other. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says this, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. Come on, that's a command. Paul told the church at Thessalonica, encourage one another and build one another up. Look at what he told the church of Corinth. Chapter 14, verse 26, verse 26, he said, What then, brothers, when you come together, each one, you know this, has a hymn, and in the uh, ESV version it says has a lesson or a revelation, maybe a tongue, an interpretation, but he says this, Let all things be done for building up. That's the purpose of it. I don't want to come with some scripture just to let you know how much I know. What, how, what does that do? You know how folks, you know how we do. People will say something, and you say, oh, I got the scripture for that. I know what the scripture says. The Bible, don't even say Bible, Bible, B-I-V-A. The Bible says, and you quote the scripture, and it's in the wrong um, attitude. It's not building anyone up. Yes, you spoke the truth, but you didn't speak in truth and in love. Come on. Paul said it. Let all things be all, listen to me now, let all things be done for building up. That's the purpose. Even correction. Let it be done for building up. Come on. Hebrews 10, 24 says, Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but, that's another sermon there, but, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. We need to encourage one another. Colossians let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart. Romans 14. So then let us pursue what makes peace and for mutual upbuilding. In other words, let's not just not say, well, you know, I said, hi, how you doing? And you look nice today. No, it says, let us pursue it. Let us pursue what makes peace and upbuilding. That means we got to try even harder. We have to go the extra mile to build each other up. It's an effort that we have to put into it. Hebrews 3.13, but exhort one another every day. As long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Guess what? If a brother or sister falls in sin... I would tell them that you need to be introspective and you need to look at yourself. No one else caused you to fall in sin. But then I would look at those around and say, guess what? You helped this brother fall in sin. Well, the Bible says, the Bible says that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. It says to exhort one another every day. So yes, you are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's keeper. Yes, you are. And then James 5.13 says, Is anyone among you suffering? Let him pray. 
Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing praise to the building up, to the building up. And so I'll leave you with this. How do we build? First of all, it tells us in Matthew 6.33, number one, seek first the kingdom. In everything you do, the just shall what? Live by faith. Seek the kingdom first. What did we say was it last week or maybe Wednesday? Don't let prayer be your last resort, but make it your first resource. Right? Come on. Seek first the kingdom. What is that? That's a whole other teaching in itself. God's ways and his way of doing things. Seek that first. How would God? That's where that thing came from. What would Jesus do when that brother came up with all that? What would Jesus do? The bracelets and the neckties and all that. What would Jesus do? And I'll say something about that. Not what would Jesus do. I love how he came up with that. But I want to say this. What did Jesus do? He left us an example. Come on, read Second Peter. He left us an example. What did Jesus do? Seek first the kingdom. Number two, do not judge. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what measure you use, it will be judged back to you. Be careful how you build. Number three, ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. Matthew chapter 7, back in verses 7 and 8, Jesus said, ask and it will what? Be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. We have to make an effort here, saints. We have to make an effort. And then finally, follow what the world calls the golden rule. Verse 12 says, Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, you also, what? Do to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Whatever you want men to do to you, you also do to them. In other words, treat others the way you want them to treat you. Now look at what it doesn't say here. I'm just about done, but look at what it doesn't say. It doesn't say treat others the way they treat you. Because I want to tell you something, that's what we do. Come on, if somebody doesn't speak to me, well, shoot, that's fine with me. I just won't speak to you. Come on. Oh, you want to treat me that way? Fine. Fine with me. I don't have to speak to you. You don't have to speak to me. I can sit on this side of the pew. You can sit on that side. I'll praise God. You can praise God in your way. Guess what? Not Bible. I know that hurts sometimes. Ooh, and it, you know, because there's some people, oh, yes, if I could. You know, I know some people get on your nerves, but guess what? Iron sharpens iron. Because you do the same thing to others, <laughs> whether you believe it or not. <laughs> Come on. You know, I know that you think that, uh, you know, everything you do is wonderful and lovely. <laughs> but whether intentionally or not, you probably have, you probably are, and if not, you probably will get on somebody's nerve. Okay? All right, just like folks have got on your nerve. And so don't treat others the way that they treat you. Treat others the way that you want to be treated. This is how we build on the firm foundation. I'll leave you with this story, a little parable uh, of a carpenter. Now listen to this story closely. I found this very interesting. A parable was told of a carpenter who was on the verge of retirement. 
He was coached into building one last home. He was a home builder by a wealthy client. The carpenter was pressed by his own thoughts to put his working days behind him. So he made decisions to cut corners on the project. He used inferior materials. Must be the guy that worked on our first house. Uh, and his workmanship was a little suspect at best. This guy's ready to retire. Come on. Clearly his heart was not in the work. Eventually, the carpenter finished the home. It looked good from the outside, yet the carpenter felt guilty as he knew the quality of the home was not up to his old standards. Well, on the day that the wealthy client was to take possession of the home, the carpenter received word from the client saying, I am aware of your reputation as a builder. I know how hard you've worked for your clients throughout your career. So, I wanted to reward you at your retirement. I am giving you the house that you just built. The carpenter was shocked. If only he had known beforehand that this was to be his home, he would have built it with the finest materials and workmanship. But now it was too late. This parable reminds me that we all build our lives much like a carpenter builds a house. Our home building materials are what we build our lives with and include characteristics such as faith, pursuing excellence, mercy, love, grace, forgiveness, and kindness, or their opposite. Are we living purposefully, pursuing excellence, working with our hearts in the name of Jesus and for his glory? Or has shoddy workmanship been the story of our lives? My own confession, too often I forget that I'm building my own home here even today as I speak to you. Look to your heart this morning. And again, I implore you, see what you have built. Do you like what you have built? If you do, make it even greater because there is no end to God's greatness. If you don't, change it. Start today. Build anew. Today is a day of new beginnings. And until the day you die, you are a builder. Because you have to live this life 